Leviticus chapter 25, if you'd like to follow along, we'll begin in verse 8. Leviticus 25, verse 8. For our text this morning, verses 8 through 17. Leviticus 25, 8 through 17. You are also to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. Seven times seven years, so that you have the time of seven Sabbaths of years, namely, forty-nine years. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall sound a horn all through your land. You shall thus consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim a release or liberty through all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his own property. Each of you shall return to his family. You shall have the fiftieth year as a jubilee. You shall not sow nor reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its crops out of the field. And on this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his own property. If you make a sale, moreover, to your friend, or buy from your friend's hand, you shall not wrong one another. Corresponding to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy from your friend. He is to sell it to you according to the number of years of crops. In proportion to the extent of the years, you shall increase its price. And in proportion to the fewness of the years, you shall diminish its price, for it's the number of crops he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. Father, bless the study of your word today. And give us, Father, insight into the things you want us to know. As we turn on this so-called new year, Lord, would you turn in our hearts a fresh view of you. A deeper understanding and a greater desire to walk with you. To remain on the path that you have given us. To seek you out in all things and Father to seek your kingdom. I pray Father whatever days you have left for us. Whether we have a whole another year or many years. Weeks, days or hours Lord. I pray that we will walk with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And with our hearts caught up and moved by your Holy Spirit. And may we, Lord, stay grounded firm in the Word, which is your truth that you've given to us. Thank you, God, for your Word. And bless us with it now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I recognize not all of you made it to midnight. If you did, how many saw the Space Needle fireworks on TV? Did you see that? That was pretty pathetic. (laughs) I thought, you know, compared to recent years, I just... I mean, just there wasn't much to it. Corey, my son, stood beside me, and he leaned over about halfway through the fireworks and goes, Dad, this is cheesier than Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know where he got I'm sure he gets it from his mother, because it doesn't, doesn't come from me. Happy New Year. You know what? What a weird excuse for a party. What a ridiculous and Western American way to come up with a celebration. A reason to get together... And, I, you know, when I was a kid, it was always that challenge of staying up until midnight. You know that? I remember that when you were young, you felt like, yeah, I'm going to make it. I'm going to stay up not just till midnight, all night long, yes. And now when you have to stay up past midnight, it's like, ah, why? Why? <laughs> what are we doing with ourselves? We had a great time last night, spent it with some really good friends. But I'll tell you what, around 
midnight when you know the ball dropped in New York well actually it happened three, year, three uh, hours earlier which is also another dumb thing we watched the ball drop at midnight west coast time it already happened three, three hours earlier but we still count it down here it goes is it going to make it this you know gang I hate to be negative at the very beginning of the new year but it is a vapid holiday it is an empty headed phrase happy new year Maybe I've had ten Happy New Years in a row, and I am tired of having a Happy New Year. You ever think about that? You tell me Happy New Year, now it's my responsibility to go out and have a Happy New Year. It puts all the pressure on me. No, I'm kidding. I I just don't think there's much to this phrase. What is the difference when that clock ticks by from 11.59 to 12.01? What's the difference? Big deal. Woohoo, shoot a firework, go to bed. Happy New Year. You may be thinking, okay, somebody obviously got up on the wrong side of the calendar this morning. (laughs) I'm just venting here. But listen, we try to celebrate about the old and and ring in the new. But the reality is, and you know this, the old sticks around, doesn't it? We try to extricate ourselves, a great word, use that this year. We try to extricate ourselves from things we've done from things of the past year and they haunt us they're still there and the new year before us you know if you've seen the news just this last week hundreds of thousands remain homeless bankrupt along the Gulf Coast hundreds of families in Texas just this last week lost their homes to unseasonal wildfires thousands of homes yesterday in Napa Valley, California were flooded as rivers rose high in all the rain the news isn't that great You know, while the newscasters try to predict what's going to happen next year and go over all the things that happened last year, human life goes on and debt and loss and despair and hopelessness are realities in the world in which we live. Happy New Year. (laughs) There's actually a place online you can go to if you don't like the reality news, the truth, the things that are really happening in our world, you can go to happynews.com. Have you heard of this? Anybody heard of happynews.com? I discovered this yesterday. It blew me away. I couldn't believe this. Here's their credo. Real news. Compelling stories. Always positive is what you'll find on happynews.com. We believe virtue, goodwill, and heroism are hot news. That's why we bring you up-to-the-minute news geared to lift spirits and inspire lives. Add in a diverse team of citizen journalists reporting positive stories from around the world, and you've got one happy place for news. <laughs> the Washington Post says happy news the happy news glass is always at least half full and sometimes it bubbles right over <laughs> NPR says happy news.com forsakes war and famine terror and man's inhumanity to man 24-7 and yet war and famine and terror and man's inhumanity to man are realities this is the world in which we live and gang when you open your eyes and take a few moments and look around it is a dark place happy new year it sounds great but this happynews.com and this trying to ignore to drown out a lot of times you know those who will drink very heavily on New Year's Eve you're drowning it all out ah, just forget and party into the new year maybe next year will be better and it ignores the fact that all the virtue and goodwill and heroism in the world has a real hard time against the sin nature of man the sin nature is still there and so to me happy new year is a pretty empty phrase but what if think about this what if we could have a holiday 
that really meant we would have a happy new year? What if the celebration involved complete release from debt? A total rest from the striving of life. A sweet restoration to things that we'd lost that we never thought we could regain again. And that's exactly what God proclaimed with the Jubilee. 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 A terrific, amazing, fantastic holiday for the Jewish people. Jubilee. In the Hebrew, it's Yobel. Y-O-B-E-L. If you're jotting it in your notes, if you're trying to keep up with the new Bibles... Yobel, I love the, the actual definition of Jubilee or Yobel. It's a continuous blast. Isn't that great? How would you like to be involved with a celebration that is a continuous blast? Now, it refers to the continuous blast of the shofar. Remember we talked about the shofar a couple of weeks ago? That ram's horn, shofar, so good, they blew it in Israel. The shofar was blown, but it was not just one, it was blown all across the land of Israel. That was the intention, this continuous blast, and it rang in a new year. A year unlike any other in Israel, and it only came about once every 50 years. That's what God proclaimed. You count out 49 Sabbath years. Now this is cool because the Sabbath year, every seventh year, was a sabbatical for the Israelites, according to God's plan. Take the year off. Would you pass out if your boss said that to you? Hey, take this year off. You're paid. Don't worry about it. Just don't come to work. Just pick up your checks when you need them. You know, no big deal. We'll see you next year. What? Take the year off, God said. Every seven years, take a break. But after 49 of those seven year periods, you come to the 50th year, take an extra year off. Take one more. But more than that, not just that, I'm going to give you some freedom like you haven't experienced. The heart of God is really expressed in Jubilee. In the liberty of Jubilee. For every 50 years, man, if you're in debt, all debt's canceled. Man, if you're in slavery, you're out. If you've lost land through some bad dealings or maybe you had to sell because you just couldn't afford it, it's yours again. It goes right back to the family. Everything is restored every 50 years. Jubilee. Jubilee. Man, that's Happy New Year, God's style. That's His way of bringing in true happiness, true joy. That's the Jubilee. And that's why, by the way, I loved our study through the Feast of Israel. I don't know how you felt about that. I enjoyed it so much. Because as I studied and read about these feasts and we talked about them, these feasts, these celebrations had meaning to them. It wasn't like raising a glass and saying, Happy New Year. Why? I don't know, but we're hoping it's going to be better. There was meaning, depth, reason for it. Commemoration of things past, anticipation of things coming. And as we've seen again and again, the same is true of the Jubilee. What is in the Old Testament concealed is in the New Testament revealed. The Old Testament is a sneak preview of what is to come and what is seen so often in the New Testament. And that's the case with this jubilant illustration before us in Leviticus 25. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to give you some things to jot down this morning. Three characteristics of the Jubilee, and then three logistics of the Jubilee. Three characteristics and three logistics to kind of follow through this chapter. Go back to verse 8 again. Look quickly at three characteristics. Verse 8 says, You are to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. Seven times seven years, so that you have the time of the seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the Day of Atonement. You shall sound a horn all throughout your land. And you shall thus consecrate the 50th year and proclaim a release. 
grew the land to all its inhabitants. First characteristic, the Jubilee was a year of release. A year of release. In fact, the motto was to proclaim liberty throughout the land. That was the point of the Jubilee, to proclaim liberty throughout the land. Now, American history buffs, does that phrase sound familiar to you? Does anybody off the top of their heads know where that phrase is written on a certain symbol in American history? Clark, you know? It's on the Liberty Bell. That phrase, I see, I love this. For all those who are anti-God in American things, <laughs> we got scripture on the Liberty Bell there in Pennsylvania. It, lists, it says literally, proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. Leviticus 25.10 on the Liberty Bell. Try scratching that one out. No one decried it when it was written on the Liberty Bell a couple hundred years ago. And I'm not sure what the separation of church and state people are going to do with it today. They'll probably figure out something. That bell is unconstitutional. I'm sure we're going to hear that. Jubilee, release, liberty, freedom. And we see in the Jubilee, we see God's liberty played out practically in people's lives. But you're not going to believe this. Blew my mind. Israel never celebrated the Jubilee. Not a single time in history. God proclaims this fantastic year of release once every 50 years. Complete freedom, complete restoration of land. Everything's going to be great. You get to get back to the way things are supposed to be. And Israel never did. Are you kidding me? The Bible never shows us a single time that Israel celebrated it. Extra biblical history and literature indicates that the Jews never did. The year came, the year went, and they never celebrated it. This release of a couple of wonderful things. As I mentioned, it was a release from slavery. If you had to go into slavery as an indentured servant, maybe you had debts you couldn't pay, and so you had to become a slave in Israel. In the year of Jubilee, you were free. You were sent home to be with your family again. It was over. If you had some other problem, all slaves were freed in the year of Jubilee. It was also a release from debt. Oh, I like the sound of that one. A release from debt. One reporter recently wrote, We all know that we're a nation in debt. I've cited the same gloomy statistics as often as every other money writer about the shocking number of cards the average American has, about eight. Eight credit cards. The shocking amount of debt per household, about $8,000. The most stunning number of all was released by the Federal Reserve in 2003. Consumer debt hit an all-time record of $1.98 trillion. Consumer debt. This isn't the national debt. This is our debt as American citizens. And this doesn't, by the way, include mortgages. $1.98 trillion. But as jaw-dropping and eye-popping as our national debt habit is, there's something scarier. How much of what goes on plastic these days isn't frivolous debt, but it's living expenses. People are buying groceries with their credit cards because they can't afford to do it any other way. A release from debt. By the way, in the Bible, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, Paul wrote, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And so in the Jubilee, the horn blows, and Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, back off. They're done. They cannot collect. You are free from debt. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be just fun to get a call from Visa? Listen, we know that you're about eight grand in with us, but uh, we're just going to let it go. Happy New Year. 
You pass out. But this was God's plan with the Jubilee. All debts canceled. Second characteristic, the Jubilee was a year of rest. A year of rest. Verse 11 says it shall be a jubilee for you. Uh, verse 11, you shall have the 50th year as a jubilee. You shall not sow, nor reap its aftergrowth, nor gather in from its untrimmed vines. It's a jubilee. It shall be holy to you, set apart, and you shall eat its crops out of the field. So no work. You get, again, an extra year off. Two years in a row. The 49th year and the 50th year would be sabbatical years. The jubilee indicated rest. And once again, we see that God is into this idea of rest. God wants us to rest. He wants us to stop, to take pause. And the Bible promises that there's going to be a time of rest that the world has never seen, has never known before. A time that is coming. Third characteristic, the Jubilee was a year of restoration. A year of restoration. Release, rest, and finally restoration. Verse 10 says, you shall thus consecrate the 50th year. Proclaim a release. And it shall be a jubilee for you. I love this. Each of you shall return to his own property. Each of you shall return to his own property. Verses 13 and 14 say the same thing. If you make a sale, verse 14 moreover, from your friend or buy from your friend's hand, you shall not wrong one another. You you give the property back. You can buy property. You've got 50 years to do so. And any time during that 50 years, you can buy property and hold it for that time. But the Lord says the only reason why you own the property is so you can gain the, the crops from that property. At the end of the 50 years, it goes back to the original owner. He gets it back, which I think is one of the reasons why they didn't celebrate the Jubilee. I'll come back to that in a minute. But land, people, everything went back to their original owners or families. Micah chapter 4, verse 2 giving us this picture that is anticipated in the Jubilee, this freedom, this release that's coming. Micah writes the following, he says, From Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. Each of them, I like this, will sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Just kind of hang out under the vine and the fig tree in the shade of the day. No one will make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Now, have I missed something? Has that happened? Have we ever seen the world hammer their swords into plowshares? Have we ever seen wars completely cease? I submit to you that if we haven't seen it happen, if it hasn't happened historically, you can bet and count on the fact that it will happen. It's coming. The real Jubilee. And I don't believe we're going to have to wait for long. For the Jubilee speaks of the Millennial Kingdom and the Bible is replete with scriptures detailing this time. Again, a time never before experienced in the history of the world. But let me quickly now give you three logistics about the Jubilee. Three things to note logistically. And number one is this. The Jubilee will come. The Jubilee will come. Secondly, the Jubilee has come. And thirdly... The Jubilee can come. Jubilee will come, it has come, and it can come. Flip in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Bibles easily fall open to Isaiah somewhere in the middle. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. The Jubilee will come. It will come. For the Jubilee pictures this favorable year of the Lord. Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That is another phrase for the Jubilee. What is said here in the prophecy of Isaiah is that I am come, one will come to proclaim this favorable year of the Lord, to say Jubilee is here. And what's going to happen in that time? Listen to this, verse 3 going on. Well, let's look at the last part of verse 2. And the day of vengeance of our God. There is one line in Isaiah 61 here that mentions something bad is going to happen first. The day of vengeance of our God. That time of tribulation will come first. But following that, beginning the latter part of verse 2, to comfort all those who mourn. And to grant, verse 3, those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of so many generations. Strangers will stand and pasture your flocks And foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers But you will be called the priests of the Lord You will be spoken of as ministers of our God You'll eat the wealth of nations And in their riches you will boast Instead of your shame You will have a double portion And instead of humiliation They will shout for joy over their portion Therefore they will possess a double portion in their land Everlasting joy will be theirs For I the Lord, I love justice I hate robbery in the burnt offering. And I will faithfully give them recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. And then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. Verse 10, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The jubilee will come. What is this saying, Rick? It's the kingdom. The kingdom will come. Jesus is most definitely on the way. But remember, the people of Israel, as far as we can tell, never celebrated the jubilee. Never experienced the wonder, the joy, the release, the rest, the restoration of the jubilee. I want you to think about something, and it's interesting here. That being the case, that they never celebrated the Jubilee, I want you to add something up in God's economy. Think through this for a moment. We've talked many times about, according to biblical history, if you look at the genealogies of the Bible and what the Bible tells us, the earth would be roughly 6,000 years old. Divide 6,000 by 50. Anyone with a mathematical mind that can do it like that? 6,000 divided by 50 is what? No. (laughs) Two billion. Closer. No. 6,000 divided by 50 is 120. 120 missed jubilees in history. 120 jubilees that were missed never happened, never experienced. So what? So listen up. Back in the days of Noah, God said something intriguing when applied to this equation. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. The Lord said... 
My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. 120 years. 120 missed jubilees. God says, I'm not going to strive with man forever. His days are going to be 120 years. And we have seen 120 jubilees come and go, missed across history. What are you trying to say, Rick? I'm going to let you think that through and figure it out on your own. I just think it's very interesting. Intriguing. But let me encourage you. James writes the following. James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, James writes, the judge is standing right at the door. And Jesus said in Luke 21:28, Lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. The jubilee will come. The Bible is certain about it. Jesus is coming. And we can be certain of that. And that, to me, gives a happy new year. He's coming. Well, the Jubilee will come, but the Jubilee has come. It has come already. Somebody like to turn off the heater, or are you guys okay? It's starting to warm up here. Yeah, thanks, Jim. The Jubilee has come. Now, keeping in mind Isaiah 61, I want you to flip over to the New Testament, to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4. Jesus is 30 years old. He's about to give his first public sermon. Luke chapter 4. Tells us he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I mean, he has now been baptized in the Holy Spirit. What? Baptized in the Spirit, Rick? Is this a charismatic thing? No, it's a biblical thing, and we'll talk about that sometime in the coming weeks. But he returns in the power of the Spirit. News, verse 14, it's spread about him through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Verse 17, Luke chapter 4, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written, Isaiah 61, what we just read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the Jubilee. The Jubilee. You see, not only will the Jubilee come, but the Jubilee has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Jubilee. He says, I'm it. I have come to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Michael Card said it in a song. He said he is the incarnation of the year of Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee. Luke 17, verse 20. Interesting kind of side note. Jesus said the kingdom of God, the kingdom, that Jubilee time, the kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst. I love how he said this. Jesus spoke these words. And when he spoke them, and this is a verse that confuses a lot of people, because they'll read, the kingdom of God is in your midst, or in other translations, the kingdom of God is inside you, or within you. The literal translation is right here in the New American Standard. The kingdom of God is in your midst. I love this, because when Jesus spoke that, he was surrounded by the Pharisees. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. You're looking at it. The king is here. 
What do you need for a kingdom if not a king? And Jesus the king standing right there in the circle of the Pharisees, they're trying to figure things out and they're talking about the kingdom. He says, hey, the kingdom of God is right here. In your midst. Take a look. The Jubilee is here. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, Rick, because Jesus said he taught us to pray in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come. How can we say the kingdom came and then pray your kingdom come? How can we do both? Which is it? Is the kingdom in our midst? Is it Jesus or is it yet to come? Yes, both. The Jubilee came in Jesus. The Jubilee is seen, experienced. The kingdom was present in the person of Jesus. The Jubilee has come, but the Jubilee also will come. And so Jesus says, you keep praying in the kingdom. You keep praying it in. Jesus came as a preview. He will return as the king anointed on the throne. And so the kingdom is coming in millennial terms, literally. And you can take that to the bank. But gang, the kingdom is also in our midst. Right here. How? Through the indwelling Spirit of Christ. For you see, even as Jesus stood in the middle of the Pharisees having that debate, that confrontation, that conversation, now He remains, He lives in the midst, in the middle of the believer's life. The Spirit of Christ within us, indwelling us, our jubilee within. It's how people like Joe can be seen as happy. I was talking to him, talking to him about work. They were saying, everybody says, they, thinks I'm happy. I think it's the southern accent. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that's why they think you're happy. It throws them off, you know, because it sounds so relaxed. But everybody thinks he's happy. Why? Because the Spirit of Christ is there. He has the Jubilee. You want to have a happy new year? You're not going to have it outside of Christ. Happynews.com is not going to bring it. Ignoring the reality of the world will not do it for you. But the Spirit of Christ indwelling, the kingdom in you, the Jubilee in your heart, day in, day out, no matter what happens. That's real happiness. That's real Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee. How is it that a person can walk in such a dark world with such a brightness and such a joy and such happiness? Because Jesus is our Jubilee, our light, our joy, our gladness. But notice what happened on that day when Jesus declared the coming of the Lord's favor. When Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It goes on and says in verse 20, that he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jubilee is here. It's come. How did the Jewish people respond? Verily, verily, the Bible tells us they were freaking out. And they tried to put, they drove him out of the synagogue, an angry Jewish mob, out to the edge of the city, and their intention was to push him off the cliff. Once again, the Jewish people had the Jubilee right before them, and they refused to take it. Every year, every 50th year throughout the history of Israel, Jubilee came around and they said, no, we're going to do it our way. And when the Jubilee came and fleshed in Jesus Christ, the same thing happened. No, we're going to do it our way. How about us? How about us? Are we like the Jewish people going to drive the Jubilee out of the church? Are we going to drive him to the edge of the town intending to push him away because, you know, I can do it. I can make my way. I can work for my happiness. Well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Gang, the Jubilee will come. The Jubilee in Jesus has come. But the Jubilee also can come. And I mean today, this moment, as we study these words. The Jubilee can come. What do you mean? Gang, 
The Jubilee can come today as I release. As I release. It's the best way to begin celebrating the Jubilee. It's what the Jewish people were commanded to do if they would accept the Jubilee was release. Releasing people. Releasing debts. You want to live in Jubilee? Answer this question. Who is it in your life that you are keeping in debt to you? Who are you holding a debt over their heads? Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 Jesus said forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and I mark my words on this gang I will not experience the joy of Jubilee as long as I refuse to release those indebted to me you will not have Jubilee if there's someone that you are holding in contempt you cannot experience the true joy of the Jubilee it won't happen you've got to release forgiveness does not just free the forgiven it frees the forgiver That's really, I think, the main point of forgiveness. Because it frees up your heart to not be clinging to and holding to those old bitternesses. You will not have Jubilee until you can say right here, right now, I forgive. I forgive. I release. I will not hold this or anything else against you, against anyone else any longer. I'm letting it go. Jubilee. Release. The Jubilee can come today also as I learn to rest Consider this, when the horn sounded or should have been sounded, think about this, every single person in Israel had the right to Jubilee. Everyone. Everyone. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what they'd done, how they'd lived. It didn't matter if they attended synagogue. It didn't matter if they memorized their prayers or gave the required tithe. None of that mattered. God just said when when the horn blows, everyone's free. Across the board. Your work doesn't matter. What you've accomplished ain't no big thing. Jubilee. Rest. Everyone was called to rest. And if you want Jubilee in your life, you've got to stop trying to work for the blessings of God. Stop trying to earn His favor. Ephesians 2.8 Memorize this verse. Know it. Have it ready to call up. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It is not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Jubilee is rest. God's blessings come in my resting. And I want to tell you honestly, personally, this is one of the hardest things for me to deal with as a Christian. Because I constantly get back on the cycle if if I can do a little bit more. If I can work just a little bit harder, God's going to be a little more pleased. If I give a little more of my time, a little more of my money, a little more of my heart, God's going to be a little happier. And yet with the Jubilee, with Jesus, He says, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, where you've been. Forget it. Let it go. Rest in Me. And know that your salvation is only, only because of me. You see, with that kind of a mentality, all the glory goes to God and none of it comes to me. But if I work for one iota of my salvation, I get to claim one iota of glory. Now, I did that. God did everything else. He did 99%, but 1% of the work was me. Praise me, glorify me, honor me, worship me. But it all goes to God when we rest in Him and recognize the work has been done by Him. This familiar verse, Isaiah 30, verse 15, And thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. And then, listen, it's followed by this haunting phrase, But you were not willing. God offered the people of Israel every seventh year the year off. Every 50th year, a double year off 
They didn't want it. They weren't willing to take it. I understand that. Just taking a few days off over the holidays drove me nuts. I had to get back to work. I got to be driving and doing. And God says, hey, rest in me. Which is why I believe the Bible says, Hebrews 4 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Why does there remain a Sabbath rest? Because we haven't entered it yet. We're still trying to do the work. But the Jubilee can come today as I rest, as I release. If you want to receive Jubilee, you've got to stop working and enter into God's rest. Number three, the Jubilee can come today as I restore. And don't miss this one. Restore what? Restore whatever belongs to its original owner. Okay, so if I bought someone some, something from someone, i got to give it back. That's not what I'm saying. Restore everything to its original owner. Again, I believe Jubilee was never celebrated in Israel because the people didn't want to let go of their stuff. That was the issue. I've amassed all this stuff, all this land, all this wealth, and you're saying I have to give it back? I have to get back my land holdings? Forget you. I've worked hard on this land for the last 49 years. Now it's mine. I'm not giving it back to that guy. Why should his family have it? It's mine. And the people of Israel and you and I join right along in missing this point. Nothing is ours. The original owner of everything is the Lord. And if you want Jubilee in your life, restore it back to Him. Give it over to Him. You may say, wait, I've worked hard for the money. So you better treat me right. (laughs) My friends, we've got what we've got because God decided to give it to us. So restore it to Him. Well, how do I do that? Just give it up. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. I, I don't need it. Listen to what God says. He gives a prescription back in Leviticus 25, verse 16. He says, In proportion to the extent of the years, you shall increase its price. That is, the price of land. And in proportion to the fewness of the years, you shall diminish its price. For it is a number of crops he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another. So if a person bought land immediately after the Jubilee, like the year after the Jubilee, it was worth quite a bit more because he'd have that land for another 49 years. And so God declared it's worth more. But if a person bought some land the year before the Jubilee and was only going to have it for a year, it was worth a pittance. Because you only had it a year. And then had to go back to the original owner. The value would plummet. Which brings us to this incredibly important conclusion and I really want you to think about this. The farther I am away from the Jubilee, the more valuable my stuff is to me. The closer I get to the Jubilee, the less valuable my stuff is to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Put it this way. The farther I am from the kingdom, the more my stuff matters. The more the things in this world matter to me. But the closer I am to the kingdom, the less anything matters here. The more my stuff just, I don't need it. Jesus is coming. What else do I need? What else am I working for? Who cares whether I have or don't have? It's worth so little the closer I am to the kingdom. You want to live and walk in Jubilee today? You want this to truly be a happy new year? Seek first His kingdom and all His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. And this is a great spiritual barometer. If we could rock, walk around in our lives with a spiritual barometer on our chest and it just went up and down showing where we were with the Lord, the height of the spiritual barometer would be seeking the kingdom with all His might. 
For the person seeking the kingdom really cares very little about the stuff, the land holdings, the stocks, the bonds, the finances, the clothing, the houses, the cars, all of that. Hey, it's worth very little. It's like when you buy a new car and you drive it off the lot and it decreases in value exponentially. The closer we are to the kingdom, the less our stuff matters, the less valuable it is. Paul said this, Romans 14, 17, he said, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not meat and drink. That is physical stuff. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if I'm caught up in my stuff, my possessions, my money, my hobbies, my things, I am not ready to be caught up in the kingdom. The closer I am to the kingdom, the less valuable my things are. So what do I do? Let it go. But I don't like that. <laughs> I don't either. That's the flesh talking. I don't want to let go of my stuff. Neither did the Israelites, and so they never celebrated Jubilee. Because they didn't want to let go. But we can have Jubilee. And you may say, I believe with all my heart, Rick, that the kingdom is near. I really believe it. Do you? Do you really? Then ask yourself, how valuable are your things? Because that is the measure, gang. That is the measure of how much you truly believe that Jesus is on the way. That you truly believe the kingdom is coming. How hard are you working to merit the favor of God rather than resting in the grace of Jesus? How valuable is your stuff? How heavily are you holding others in debt to you rather than releasing them? Listen again. Let's just forget about happynews.com. Let's remember that Jubilee is near. The kingdom is coming. And I want to encourage you to make this year, to make this year a Jubilee. Last thing. Release people from their debt, gang. Rest in the unearned, unmerited favor of God. Restore to the rightful owner, that is the Lord, all that is His. And consider this, that the year of Jubilee, did anyone notice what day it starts on? It started, the Bible tells us, on the 10th of Tishri, which is also what holiday? Hmm? Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. What did the Jewish people do on Yom Kippur? They confessed their sin. They confessed. They said, Lord, we're not even worthy to talk to you right now, much less accept this day of atonement for our sin. They confessed. They were broken. The trumpet blasted for Yom Kippur. The trumpet sounded for Jubilee. The people would confess their sin and yet never took the next step walking on into the Jubilee. Why not for us begin today with a confession of our sins before the Lord? Say, God, this is where I've been, but I want to enter into the Jubilee. I want to start living in the kingdom now and not just then. There is a literal kingdom coming to the world. But Jesus says spiritually you can be moving and breathing and living in the kingdom right now if you will listen to the blowing of the horn and if you will step into that day of atonement, the first day of the Jubilee, confess to me and let's get free of our stuff. Peter put it this way. He said in Acts 3.19, Repent and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come. Times of refreshing. It was another way for a Jewish person to say the Jubilee. In order that the Jubilee, times of refreshing, may come to you from the presence of the Lord. Let's take a moment and bow our heads. And I want you before the Lord to think clearly and honestly about what you need to release. Do you have something that you need to confess to Jesus right now, here, today, in this place? 
As we bow and pray together, I want you to take this time. I encourage you to step into Jubilee by beginning in confession. And as we bow, we'll pray together. Um, if you will, if you have something specifically you need to confess to the Lord, you need to talk to Him about. I want to encourage you just to put your hand over your heart. Don't raise your hand or stand up or draw any attention, but just put your hand over your heart. And pray with me as we go before the Lord. Father, we are sinners. And we live in a sinful and broken and fallen world. And though we might look back over the last year and think about all the good things that have happened and rejoice in those and thank you for them, we also, if we're being honest with ourselves, look back over the last year and realize all the things that we did against you. All the moments we were faithless. All the times we spurned another person or held someone in contempt or found our greed ruling and reigning over our generosity. And so this morning, Father, we confess. We confess our sin to you. I want to give you a couple of moments here to confess whatever you need to before the Lord. Fathers, you hear our confession this morning. I pray over this body that that you will release us. We don't confess these things and speak of these these things so that we might remain in sorrow or guilt or depression over our failures, but rather, Father, that we might learn to rejoice in your forgiveness, that we might experience your grace. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak to every heart And that you would say clearly to us, you have confessed these things, I have forgotten them already. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you even in confessing are clinging to your confession. You don't want to let it go. Some of you continue to live back there. Some are continuing to hang tight and cling to their holdings instead of releasing it all to the Father. And He is saying, You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Accept my grace. Rest in me. The Lord wants us to experience Jubilee. Father, I just pray that You would allow us to receive it. Give us enough strength in our hearts to receive Your great grace. Not to walk out of your father in sorrow, but in joy and jubilation. 
And we long for and look forward to that day of Jubilee when you come. Father, thank you for this fellowship of believers. I pray you would increase our love in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to stand up. I want to read one more verse. And have you stand with me as we read this. Come to realize as we study through these things in the Old Testament that these are not antiquated celebrations. These are not things of the past. They are things of the future. And they are promised not only to Israel, and those promises will be fulfilled to them, but they are promised to you and I as believers in Christ, as people of faith. I want to challenge you with a verse for the year. And it's a single verse, Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3. I'd like to read this to you. We'll read this and offer up one more prayer to the Lord. And then I'm going to have the band come back up. We'll sing another song. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. Come, let us go up. In fact, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read this. You repeat after me. Okay? Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. That he may teach us concerning his ways. And that we may walk in his paths. Let's bow one more time. I'm going to read it again and pray. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. And Father, this is our prayer to you as we face this next year. And Lord, as we have, whether we have one day or a week or another year, whether we come right around to another happy new year, we pray that when we say happy new year, Father, we would not speak in the emptiness of our culture but we would speak with the breadth and the depth, God, of your love and your grace, that we would understand and experience true jubilation this year. And Father, we understand that this will happen as we come up to the house of the Lord. And we desire to do so. Teach us your ways, Father. Lead us according to your paths. And Lord, if you come this year, which we hope you do, may you find us headed your direction. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stand. Come on up.